0: Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There once was a young boy who sat in church, listening intently unto the pastor as he preached on Ash Wednesday. The boy's eyes grew wide with fear and anticipation as he preached about sin and death. You are dust and to dust you shall return. A great impression was made on the boy. Later on that very same day, the mother heard the boy from his room screaming in terror. She flew up the stairs only to meet the boy halfway down. Mom, 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 he says with great concern. Do you remember what the preacher said? That you are dust and to dust you shall return? Well, I just looked under my bed and either somebody's coming or somebody's going. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 2 tells us the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the earth. And man became a living creature, a perfect creature, because God had blown into him the breath of life. God had used his own spirit, his own ruach, to bring that creation to life. God had breathed into him, bestowed upon him his image. In a beautiful act of love and devotion, the, the creator united himself to the creation. And it was very good. But it wasn't meant to last. Man and woman disobeyed God's command. They ate of the tree that they were commanded not to eat of. And mankind broke the image of God. And they brought death upon themselves. Eve was convinced. She was convinced that God had been holding back on her. And so she ate and she gave some to her husband who was standing there with him, who seemed to be pretty nonchalant about the whole thing to tell you the truth. Were there other blessings? Was there more information that God was holding out? Was God holding out on his creation? Was, was Adam and Eve being held back from something good? Did God actually say, surely you will not die? Eve was convinced and Adam, the world's first, yes, dear, whatever you say, dear beta male, went right along with her. Convinced of something desirable that God had chose not to share with them. And so they took that which was forbidden from them, and they ate. And their eyes were opened, and their eyes truly were opened. Their eyes were opened in terror, for they knew. Now they truly understood that they had learned something, but what they had learned was not the knowledge that they had sought. Now they were going to learn about death. They were going to learn about disobedience. They were going to learn about despair. They were going to learn that the image of God that God had so graciously bestowed upon them had been lost. That they were dust. And to dust they shall return. For death was now their future. This tragedy, this great tragedy of the Bible, this first great tragedy reveals the tragedy that all of the other tragedies that this young couple will endure throughout the rest of their days, nothing of, uh, could have been worse. Nothing could have been more devastating than losing the image of God. Nothing could be more final than what they have thrown away, what they have cast away for no better reason than they had been lied to. They had destroyed their relationship with their Creator and they were going to die. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And yet God is gracious. And God is merciful. And God loves them. And because God loved, loves his creation, he made them a promise. That he would raise them back out of the dust. He has promised to restore unto them life. He has promised to restore that image that he had once granted unto them, the image that they had lost, they had cast aside, they had destroyed on their own accord. God promises to recreate, to give back that image to them. God promised them a champion that would do this. This would be a Messiah who would bring mankind back. And this Messiah would be given unto mankind through the seed of the woman and God promised this Messiah would come and do do battle with evil and that Satan would be condemned into the dust of defeat. God promised and a great battle began. And you're part of that battle. Welcome to the war. A war of pain and suffering, a battle that takes place in our streets, and our homes, and our lives, and our schools every single day. Every single being since the beginning of Adam and Eve has toiled with the reality of sin. Every day we feel that knife of moral- mortality as it cuts through our bodies of sickness and disease. Every day we experience the gnawing of sin as it tears at our hearts and our souls. Every day we feel the darkness as it chokes us off from God. Satan, the world, our own sin. Sinful flesh tried desperately to separate us from God, and they intend, our enemies intend for the separation to be permanent. We are really at war. Daniel tells us about a time of of disaster, a time of trial that'll be like no others. He tells us of the greatest of distress. A more devastating reality, even though man is responsible for our environment, there is nothing that we can do to withstand the attacks. In fact, Scripture tells us that if God had not cut this time short, no one would have survived. It is our real dystopian life. It is a reality that has been brought upon mankind through mankind's sin. It is a reality that we continue to live with. We have always lived through it, we will continue to live through it, and it will, I hate to tell you, get worse. This is our reality of war, our reality of hunger, genocide, homicide, infanticide, floods and fire and hatred and anger and broken relationships and drugs and dropouts. It is a time of trouble like the world has never seen before. And into the midst of this battle, into the midst of our oppressive need, God has sent His Son. God has sent His only begotten. And He sent His only begotten into our flesh to do battle on our behalf. Christ has come to deliver us. He's come to deliver us from sin and death and hell and Satan. He comes into our world to walk through the dust of our destruction, to do that which we cannot do on our own. Christ fights for us. Christ doesn't fight with us. Christ fights for us. Christ fights in our place. He fights for us, taking the battle under the cross of Calvary where he sheds his blood for the sacrifice of our sins and he pours out his life so that we may live. Christ is taken from the cross to the place of the tomb where there he is entorned into the dust of the earth, buried into death, but not for long. After three days, he wins the victory by rising from death. He is the first fruits of those who have gone before us. He is the first fruits of the dead. He is the down payment that God had promised so long ago. For truly, he is the one who covers over the curse. For out of the dust, God has brought life. He has promised he has done it before he can do it again. And he has promised this to you. The grace-filled reality of this is because he has risen from the dead, so shall we. Christ's victory is our victory. He has fulfilled Christ's promise to deliver us from sin and death and hell. Our names are written in the book of life. Daniel tells us that indeed our names are are recorded. We who are wise by faith, we who have been clothed in Christ, we who have been baptized and been called by his name, This is the promise that God fulfills in the book of Daniel. Out of the dust, God will raise the dead. Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awaken on the last day. God promises us a bodily resurrection. Believers who have their names written in the book of life shall awake to everlasting life. And we will shine like stars forever. This is God's word. Unlike the unbelievers, those who reject him, those who do not want his salvation, they will awaken as well, but they will awaken to shame and contempt. They will awaken to suffering and death forevermore. The return of Eden will be accomplished. On the last day, God finishes the work of recreating his fallen world. And out of the dust, he will bring forth life. He will bring forth a new creation. To live this life from everlasting to everlasting. This is the promise of your God. In Jesus' name, amen.